The Forum at 8 with Kolani Gwala. It is now nine and a half minutes after eight. Welcome to the Forum at ATR on SAFM, South Africa's news and information. Did well this morning looking at the state of education in the Eastern Cape. And of course also, what is behind this? Now last week, if uh, you were with the program, we covered uh, quite extensively the situation. In, the, in fact, we spoke to the Legal Resources Center, but also heard from the uh, DG of the Department of Basic Education, Bob Subrian. And among other things, he, he was making reference to what the minister had said, that there has been some improvement in the education in the Eastern Cape and therefore uh, the the department, even though it's not happening now uh, that they are uh, uh, removing or taking off the administration of the province or the provincial head, uh, the department of education, but perhaps there's a process underway now which is uh, reviewing the progress that's been made. Remember that the Department of, Basic, uh, of Education in the Eastern Cape has been under administration since uh, uh, 2011, since March 2011. So the department sees some improvements in as far as that is concerned. Now that's an issue that's been disputed by the Legal Resources Center. In fact, as far as they are concerned, the situation hasn't changed an inch. That's what they told me last week. Now we would like to look at what is going on on the ground in the Eastern Cape. What are some of the problems? And of course, how do we deal with the uh, problems identified? Let me welcome my guest then on the program this morning. I'm going to start with uh, um, Tu Nyuangonzo, who is the uh, Eastern Cape Education Head of Department. Mr. Gonzo, good morning. Good morning, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks indeed for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks, sir. Uh, also on the yes. other line, I have the Reverend Professor Barney Pikiana. He's an academic living in the Eastern Cape. Of course, he's the former Vice-Chancellor at the University of South Africa, UNISA. Uh, Professor Pikiana, nice talking to you. Good morning. Good morning, Solani. Good morning to your listeners. Thank you very much. Uh, Jolene Stein-Kotze is a political analyst at the Nelson Mandela Metropolitan University. Uh, Jolene, good morning to you. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm very well. I really appreciate your time on the program this morning. I've also got uh, Sarah Stefton. Uh, Sefton. Sarah Sefton, we spoke to her last week. She's with the uh, Legal Resources Center, and I appreciate her time. Ms. Sefton, good morning. Uh, all right, we have a, a little break uh, in, in that particular line there. Maybe I should start with Mr. Ngonzo, because again last week, as I pointed out, the Department of Basic Education National is saying some improvement have, improvements have happened on the ground in as far as turning the situation around. Do you concur? Do you confirm that, uh, Mr. Ngonzo? Yes, Polanyi, I do concur with the fact that in the Department of Education in the Eastern Cape, there is an improvement from the level that it was before the intervention was there. Because there were areas that were identified by the National Department of Education for that particular intervention. Amongst them, it included the matters that relate to personnel provisioning, uh, the provision of budget, issues of over-expenditure, uh, the issues of curriculum learning and teaching, the issues of school nutrition, the issues of provision transport, the infrastructure, and generally, the, the running of the operations of the department, including its systems. I think, in a nutshell, when you look at those areas that were identified, you are able to notice that there is a massive improvement in terms of dealing with those areas, putting together the systems, processes, procedures, and other matters that relate to operations. Mm. And therefore, when you look at them globally, you are able to see that there's a and an improvement and a movement to those, which I can illustrate one by one if I'm given time. All right, you probably that will have does, to do that, that a little bit. Mean, that does mm-hmm. not mean that there are no challenges facing those areas because the, 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 the problem in the Eastern Cape has been so, so deep for a number of years, over 10 years, and therefore this would not have been relieved 
within a short space of time. All right, I'll get uh, I'll get Ms. Sefton to respond to that because she's she's among the people that raised concerns and actually said that as far as they're concerned, nothing has changed. But I'm interested in the fact that you're pointing out that the problems have been so deep for the past ten years. Why? What has happened to the Eastern Cape? I think for 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 the last ten years, there's been a number of characteristics and symptoms which are indicating some areas of disagreement, particularly between amongst the society unions of the department, working within the department and the department itself. And if you look at that then, one of the critical problems were the issues of leadership management and governance, which had challenges. You will notice that the Eastern Gate has been characterized by a labor turnover of all, both the political heads and the heads of department, changing from time to time. And therefore, this has not maintained and built a new organizational culture for the organization to perform. Hmm. So this is one characteristic. So they haven't been... That then, you, so you would see some of the workflow management systems also having collapsed during that process. Right. So they, those are just symptoms of what is happening. And therefore, amongst those then, that has affected service delivery and its operations. That's why then there was a necessity for an intervention. All right. So, so for the ten, for the past ten years, there hasn't been any stability. Let me bring in the, the professor, then Professor Bigyana. Do you also uh, concur that this started ten years ago, or, or does it ba- date back a little further than that? Good morning. Thank you very much, Tolani. Uh, uh, You're most welcome. I, I welcome Mr. Gonzo's being candid to the extent that he is about uh, the deep-seated nature of the problems mm-hmm. uh, in the Eastern Cape. Uh, but I wish that he would go a little further and say more clearly um, what is it that is actually being done to make sure um, that the problems do not persist and recur. Mm. Ten years is a very long time. We all know um, uh, that these problems indeed have been probably ten years is, 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 is minimal. Actually, right from the beginning, the processes of integration, um, the resourcing, the infrastructure, the relations, labor relations, especially the dominance of SATU, and really the inability of the department um, to really provide quality education for the young people of the Eastern Cape. It's been a, a terrible indictment uh, on, on our government. And what really we want to know is not so much what has happened, what we want to know what is in fact in place. Um, to rebuild education in the Eastern Cape from mm-hmm. the palace state in which it is at the moment. Um, and, and that I think I'd like uh, this discussion to be, to be looking at that. Sure. Um, in, in, because, because, because quite honestly, if you live in the Eastern Cape, and I do, uh, one doesn't see these uh, improvements that Mr. Gonzo is talking about. Um, uh, 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 friends of mine from England and educationists went the schools in in, uh, in 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 Grahamstown in October, and they found that uh, almost 80% of the teachers were not at school. When they asked, children were on their own. Teachers were writing unicide examinations, and so they were they were away, and the head teacher was there all by herself. Mm. And but the, the children in the classrooms didn't even have work to do, nobody to look after them, and the teachers were taking a turn somewhere. So that's the kind of culture, really, that is embedded in the Eastern Cape that is just not going to improve 
Sure, and I'll come back and we'll talk about some of those stories in a minute but I know that Sarah has got also anecdotal stories that really indicate that the culture is is completely unacceptable when it comes to education uh, in the Eastern Cape. Sarah? Yes, morning Polani. Thanks for your time again. I mean, uh, last week I was talking to you and you were, you were pointing out to me that as much as the intervention perhaps may have stabilized things in certain regards, but on the whole, it, it, it seems as if not much has happened in the way of progress in the Eastern Cape. Kolani, I, I, I mean, my feelings on this are very strong. We are sitting one third of the way through the year with thousands of teachers that haven't been appointed. And... Uh, that's obviously critical. The fact that there's no teachers in classrooms is is a crisis of, of magnificent proportions and is not being treated and taken seriously. So I'm also not interested in the past history of the Eastern Cape Department of Education. I would like to know from Mr Ngondo when they're going to appoint teachers and what they what they what is the message to the parents and the children out there that are simply sitting in classrooms every day without a teacher. Again, I'm going to give Mr. Ngonze an opportunity, but what I would also like to know is why, because this thing, it's not just, it didn't start this year, it didn't start last year. The issue of the teachers in the Eastern Cape has been going on for a long time. Why are we unable, are we not able to bring this, you know, to a close once and for all, Sarah? Well, unfortunately, I'm not the employer, so I have absolutely no control over the teachers, and the best, the only tool I have available is civil society and the courts. And court orders are meaningless to the Department of Education in the Eastern Cape. They don't even bother to obey them. So today we're issuing a contempt court application against the Minister and Mr. Ngonzo um, because we we are absolutely at a wit's end. If I was the employer, maybe I could make some more suggestions as how I could deal with the matter. So just tell me a little bit about this uh, contempt of court order. Well, uh, part of the court order last year that we obtained against the Department of Education um, amongst uh, one, one of them was to fill all vacancies and to post permanently by the 31st of January. That hasn't been done. But another issue is the appointment of non-educators. Non-educators are support staff, administrators, cleaners, um, vital cogs in the wheel of any well-functioning school. Uh, the Department of Education has failed to appoint non-educator staff to schools for uh, the last five or more years. Part of the court order was that they had to do this by the 30th of September last year. They had to allocate the non-educated staff for 2013 and then make the appointment. The Department of Education has failed to allocate these non-educated staff to various schools and has made no appointments. Mr. Gonzo, please give us your responses, because it seems the right thing to do is obvious, but again, the department isn't doing it. Uh, some of the things that are being said by the, by the participants in this discussion are true, but there's a context under which some of those things are supposed to be said. I think I want to agree with uh, Mr. Panipijan that despite the fact that there are challenges in the Eastern Cape, there are still challenges, there are still problems, there's, in, there's improvement as well, but all you need now is how to sustain that. What strategy are we going to put in place to, to, to sustain those improvements? But I want to, to indicate uh, to the listeners and, and my partners in this discussion that they must remember that the Eastern Cape has got its own problems, which are a history of integrating a number of homelands. And therefore, this is inherent somehow some, some to these problems. The Eastern Cape Department is a combination of homelands, which 
are bringing in a number of problems from those homeless. All right, Mr. Gonzo, Mr. Gonzo, I hear that. There's a number of problems that have been there. Mr. Gonzo, I hear you. I hear you, but tell me something. How does that problem affect the appointment of teachers? How does it... uh, We're sitting with 8,000 vacancies. The history of the Eastern Cape, how does it affect the the fact that you are unable to appoint these 8,000 teachers? So this is, this is the point I'm trying to come at. The point I'm trying to come at. The, the, the appointment of teachers is a, is a problem that is becoming more inherent and becoming more a problem in the Eastern Gate. The reason for that, Polani, is because there is an agreement in, the, in this country which is called Collective Agreement Number Three of 2000, Number Two of 2003, which deals with transfer of educators on the basis of operational requirements. And in the Eastern Cape Department of Education since 2003, that collective agreement has never been implemented as a result of a, a squabble or a fight between the, the unions within the education sector and the Department of Education. And that has not been gathered at all. And the resultant of non-implementation of that collective agreement has been a, a creation of vacant posts by post-provisioning over a number of years, which could not be filled at that point in time. And the second resultant of that has been the appointment of temporary educators since those, and those temporary educators have become a permanent feature of the system, whereas it is not supposed to be to be there. And, and the third resultant of that has been an over-expenditure in the compensation of employees in this province to a level of more than $2 billion for that matter. So therefore, this department has been indulged in a number of problems. This has enabled then the department to be unable to appoint teachers on the basis of this and kept the system running with temporary educators, which is a problem. And a number of people in this province now have begun to think that in order for the system to be, to be sober and for the system to be very, very, very stable, you must appoint temporary, and I'm saying it is not supposed to be. And then right. we have put up a turnaround plan, a turnaround plan which makes sure that for every learner and for every classroom in this province, there is a teacher. Right. In doing that, then, yeah, in doing yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, so this is the process. This is the Olani, Olani, come in, come in. All right, uh, uh, Professor Banipikian, I'm going to come to you in a minute, but let me, let me get some political uh, context in this uh, from Jolene Kotze. Jolene, uh, it appears as if politically they are issues of the union versus uh, the department. How do you resolve that? Well, I think, you know, if we look at just the overall um, politico-administrative interface that, that, seems, that tends to characterize not just the Department of Education, but basic service delivery as a whole in the Eastern Cape, um, we see that politics has started to dominate at the cost of departments delivering on their key mandate. Hmm. Um, you know, we look at the issue between unions and the Department of Education. We see unions going out on prolonged um, industrial or, or, or strike action um, at the cost of the learner. The, the, it, it seems that the most important role player in all of this has been forgotten. <coughs> And at the end of the day, if we take it to a broader perspective, we look at the 2010 State of the Eastern Cape uh, report that found that around 64% of the youth are semi-literate. We look at learners uh, from rural schools coming into university who don't necessarily know how to use a computer, how to send an email, how to attach an assignment to an email, which are things, skills that they need to, to, to have. All right. 
um, we need to actually look a little bit further and say, right, what is the political will surrounding delivery of basic education in the province? And if we look at it, over the last 10 years, one can even go a bit further, remembering that we are moving towards our second decade of democracy. Um, moving a little bit further, it seems that the political will has centered around trying to carve out the most benefit for the different role players, but forgetting that it is the learner at the end of the day who suffers. Hmm. Professor Bikana, do you concur? Is that what you wanted to talk about as well? Absolutely. What I want to say uh, to Mr. Gonzo uh, is that clearly there's a breakdown of management or inability to manage even difficult situations that he's setting out because uh, the educators are employees uh, of the department. There's a relationship between the union and the, and the, and the employer um, is, a, is an important relationship, but it is based on the delivering of, uh, of contracts to which um, educators are contracted. Mm. The second thing I want to say, part of that breakdown in management, it seems to me, is, is the kind of things that the parents are protesting about in northern areas of Port Elizabeth, for example. That there are so many temporary teachers or teachers who are out of, 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 of work and yet, and yet there are so many classes that are without teachers. And and the sophistication of what Mr. Gonzo is saying is gets lost to us because how can there be uh, no place for teachers when there are classrooms without teachers? Sure, which is and and that really is the is the crux of the problem. All right. And it seems it seems it seems to us that it is the responsibility of government um, uh, 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 to find the resources uh, so that teachers are transferred to the schools where teachers are needed. Presumably, and this is what he's saying, that there are schools where there's excess of teachers uh, comparable to the, to, the, to the numbers of learners in those schools. Mm. But that is a, a labor relations problem with the unions about the transferring of teachers. That we understand, but I don't think the unions should be allowed to get away with that. Sure. It's interesting because, again, uh, as we heard a short while ago, Jolene saying that part of the problem is the political will, and the Secretary General of the, General of the ANC, Mr. Gwede Mandashe, has called. Mr. Mandashe, political will to deal with the situation there? Good morning. Morning, morning, Polani. We were in the Eastern Cape last year. We are going there again. And we, we will focus on enough areas. Not as government, as a party. Mm-hmm. Where we looked into districts where there was no district management. Many of those districts have now managers, and there is some improvement. We watched, we watched that and analyzed the material results last year. And so improvement where, where they have appointed these district uh, managers. And number two, there was partnership that we had with some private companies. I won't mention them. Mm-hmm. We focused on particular districts to assist with improvement of management capacity. I wish uh, Mr. Ngonzo would give details of that because the public needs to know what interventions, because I agree with Professor uh, Pijana uh, in terms of the approach, where we should focus on what should be done, what can we do better, what should improve to improve the situation in the Eastern Cape. Uh, you see, last year I used a cause expression and said, the Eastern Cape Mumkanja, meaning that is stoneless. Hmm. And uh, it is uncharacteristic of the Eastern Cape to be nevertheless 
in the area of education, and I agree. That's why I agree with Professor Banepijan. But I think Mr. Ngozo must give details of the interventions that are being done and what impact do they have. And when they have no impact, they must give this feedback so that we can do other things. Because we continue engaging a number of private sector companies to assist in that department. Sure, but the last point I want to make, Polan, mm. is that uh, I think it's not wise to bring a litigant to a public debate because people will be careful uh, in case what I say in public debate may become an issue in court. I think it's not wise to bring litigants. Public yeah, except for, except for one thing though, Mr. Mantashe, that Sefton and the Legal Resources Center are saying that at the moment the interventions that have been put in place have not necessarily, at least not to a, a, a certain extent, changed anything on the ground. They're saying that we're still sitting with the situation of 8,000 vacancies not filled at the moment, and that's why they are worried about the situation. Perhaps that's, that's the reason why we brought them on. No, I agree, but I'm saying when you talk of litigants, there will be instances where I must say that is subject to care. I can't comment on that. That is subject to care. Sure. I can't comment on that. It's compromising. Right. I'm just raising it as an issue. Yeah, no, I, I accept that. Uh, Mr. Guadamantasha, thank you very much. All right, we'll continue taking more calls, 0891104208. And Mr. Ngonzo then perhaps may want to respond to both what the professor has said and, by the way, to what uh, Ms. Godza said a little earlier on about the lack of political will in order to deal with these matters. Uh, 0891104208, we'll take your calls, your thoughts, particularly give us your experiences uh, on the ground if you are in the Eastern Cape and you may be ending uh, in the country and want to uh, weigh in on this debate. It's an important one about how then do we sort problems out there because we sort problems out in the Eastern Cape. Naturally uh, the solutions may apply to other parts of the country as well. 0891104208 I'll take emails at guala xsabc.co.za. Uh, it's 8.30 though. Let's take news now uh, from Vabakshni Chetty. Thank you very much, Rob. Uh, it is now 27 minutes before 9 here on AM Live on SFM South Africa's news and information. We're to- taking your thoughts then about the situation, education situation in the Eastern Cape. Your thoughts then on 0891 10428. Uh, let me read you some email. Uh, actually, let me start with the SMSs here. Uh, I'll go to the lines in a minute. Uh, there's Sipo in KZN who says, Deal with and sort out Satu in KZN and in the Eastern Cape. Problem solved. That's according to Sipo. Uh, Joe Somela in Tembisa says, Those teachers and officials, their children are at private schools, so so they don't care about poor learners. That's a view from Joe in Tembisa. Uh, David Mtoons in Mabato, the fact that most of our struggle heroes are from the Eastern Cape and their fight for freedom was so severe that it's unthinkable today that their efforts were all in vain. Confusion confusion is reigning in the Eastern Cape. The electorate is to blame, and that's according to Orbit in KZN. As long as we tolerate laziness, incompetence, caters, and poor leadership, we'll complain. That's my daughter. Uh, is the problem in the Eastern Cape not the ANC itself? Because it does not deploy all the greedy, or does it not deploy all the greedy officials with so much lack of capacity? That's according to Carl. During apartheid, education denied to many, yet many of these disadvantaged people in charge. Are we saying that uh, the old system wasn't so bad and they are suitably qualified to lead? I think this is the valid question. Where are educated leaders from the old system? Put politics aside. Serve our kids. That's WM who says so. Let me go to Beryl Allen in Johannesburg. Hello, Beryl. Thanks very much um, for listening to me. I just wanted to say something that really um, upsets me. We have a domestic worker who's been with us for years, and her daughter's down in Butterworth, Mm -hmm. and her daughter didn't have a job. However, she has uh, she's single. She has four children, and um, when she came to Johannesburg, I noticed how she was working with her own children, and just thought she would make an excellent teacher. 
So we got organized. She then um, went with great difficulty because, as I say, she had no nobody to leave these children with. She um, she went to study. We actually kept the little girl um, here with us so that um, she just had one less to look after. And she got her diploma, and she has now been sitting in Butterworth for three years, and she keeps applying to the education department, and nothing happens. So I would just like to know, is there um, a number we can phone or somehow we can contact to find out to actually get her a job? At the moment, she's really battling. Her mother's sending money down every month to try and keep these uh, children going and her daughter. And I would just like to know how we remedy this. Thanks very much. All right, Beryl, thank you. Uh, let me take, is it Tagana? I'm Tata. Good morning. Hagan, are you there? Okay, we've lost that. Shakes in East London, hello. Hello, hello. Yes, Shakes. All right, we're losing all the lines here. I have absolutely no no idea what's going on. Let me read you some SMSs while we sort out the lines. Uh, there is an SMS from Ivan who says, but why can't you get Mr. Ngonzo to stop making interminable excuses and to say why he has not obeyed the court orders, Mr. Ngonzo? Please respond to, to Ivan there. Uh, also, another one comes from Taunyan uh, uh, in Tabanchu who says, take politics out of education. Then the problems will be solved in our system, and not only in the Eastern Cape, but the whole country. Uh, that comes from uh, Dean there is uh, somebody who says, after your heated discussion with Manya and Satu Chairperson in January of 2012, and I remember that very, very well, nothing has changed. In fact, things have deteriorated. 5,000 teachers have not been employed. In 2012, some maths and science pupils were not taught the whole year. There is no political will to sort anything out. Even Mr. Ngonzo is still acting chief himself, still not fully employed. That's uh, Mapanegazi, M. Tata. Uh, another one says, Mr. Ngonzo, are you going to renew the contracts of protected temporary teachers next year? Let me see if Mr. Ngonzo is here. So many questions for you, Mr. Ngonzo. Yeah, there, are, there are many, Colin. Yeah. There are many questions. But let me, let me start with the one which deals with political will yeah. in the resolution of the education problems. I think it is inaccurate for anybody to say there's no political way to resolve those problems. I want to illustrate it as follows. Mm-hmm. You will remember that the president of this country intervened here in the, in the, in the dealings with the Section 100. And as a result of the intervention of the president, Section 100 began to work properly in this province. So therefore, that, that's, that's political head of this country. The second, the second point, there are a number of deputy presidents, deputy ministers and ministers in this province who have been coming in and out. Are you with me, Colani? Yeah, I'm listening. We have been coming in and out of this to try to resolve the problems of, of this, of this province. And therefore, politicians of this country are quite aware and willing to deal with the problems of the Eastern Cape. The reason why today you are speaking about Section 100 being moving out is because the politicians of this province are continuously assessing the progress which is being made. So it is not accurate that there's no political way. What is that? The second yeah. point, there are a number of interventions in this, in this province which have come up. The Department of Defense has been here to build schools and, and, and bridges. Department of Communication is here to, co- to, to, to connect the schools. The business partners are here to deal with infrastructure problems. The DBE is here with affinity to resolve. In the, so therefore, there is a will in this country and interventions are being put in place. But the second thing I want to comment on, you know, in this discussion, there's, there's a there's legal resource center, which has been consistently taking the department to court, which, of course, in this country, 
that's their right to take us to court. Yeah. But one of the things which I think are very, is very important is the fact that there are good things which are a response to the areas that they raise out of the court, which they don't take care of. And therefore, they perpetuate and continue to take the department to court and press it against the wall, such that it does not even have power to do things that it can do. I don't want to talk about those things. On uh, you know, I'm not, even sure, I'm not even sure what you're talking about, but the point ultimately is that uh, they've taken you to court and the court has uh, instructed you to, imp- to implement certain things that you have not. No, there is a context under which the court speaks about these things. For example, the court says implement post-provision in 2013. As part of that is the movement of educational educators from one school to the other. That's part of that. And when they take us to court, they don't take care of that particular area. I want to tell the, the, the audience here, for example, in the implementation of that, we have identified more than 69% of teachers in this province as part of the implementation of that. And then we have profiled the vacancies and we have begun a process to fill those vacancies. And these are the things that LRC does not take care of. The environment under which we are working is an environment which has been corrupted over a long period of time. And therefore, we are correcting these things progressively. Sure, so I'm but here's the thing. And you know, okay. the fact that they go to court, we agree with them that these are the things they are supposed to do. But in government, they take a particular context and process and process. Right. So, I'm not saying we are not supposed to do that. The, the, the appointment of teachers, currently, LRC is aware that we, we have been into the chamber and the management plan to that effect. And as of last week, teachers have been appointed. They don't want to tell the public that we have appointed 2,354 temporary educators. We have added 570 in response to the court order. And tomorrow, on Tuesday, we are appointing 997 teachers to vacant posts, which LRC does not put that into the, into the, into, into the public. And these are things that we are doing, not necessarily in response to the court. As part of service delivery and our application and responsibility. All right, okay. It's a good thing you corrected that, Mr. Gonzo. It's a good thing you corrected that. Can I just, sorry, I'm Sarah, yeah, Sarah, yeah. I was just, uh, you know, I've been listening um, to the debate on some of the SMSs and the questions that that, that came up. And the one thing that keeps on going through my mind is that when we speak of political will, why did we allow the situation to, to deteriorate to such an extent? Um, that national interventions became necessary, that it became necessary for the legal resource centre then to go and seek various court applications um, to try and get, you know, the Department of Education to comply with um, the appointment of teachers and so forth. And as Professor Pichana pointed out very rightly, you know, we look at this and it is very much a labour relations uh, um, um, issue. To what extent are the unions being dominating as well, or, or to what ex- how powerful are the unions in this equation? What is your answer um, to that? Are they too powerful? You know, we, we need to look at those issues as well, because at the end of the day, if, um, if I understand uh, correctly, and please do correct me if I am wrong, mm-hmm. if I understand correctly that in terms of transferring teachers that there seems to be some blockage from the union, Am I right in my understanding? Mr. Gons, let's ask the LRC because they have been working on this. There. Sarah? No. no, no. Uh, Mr. I, don't, I don't want to agree. Wait, wait, wait. Let me get the, uh, Sarah to respond. Sarah? Yes. Uh, I agree with, the, with Mr. Gonzo, what he's saying. Yes, they have appointed 2,200 central educators. The figures I quote are figures that I received from the Department of Education. I don't understand why the teachers in excess are not being used, and 
don't I don't understand why the classroom have to wait while SATU and the Department of Education sort out the issues. Is that where the, the problem is? is. S- Sarah, sorry, just, just clarify for us. Is that where the problem is, SATU and the Department of Education? That's my understanding of the problem, is that the department can't afford to um, appoint teachers to fill vacancies and posts until they've dealt with the teachers in excess. There's 6,000 odd teachers in excess. They're trying to deal with them, but it's an extremely slow process. I understand the difficulties around that, and I'm not contesting those difficulties. My uh, contestation is what happens to the child sitting in the classroom without a teacher while the teachers in excess are supposed to be moved. There is a collective agreement. Uh, the Department of Education is a party to that collective agreement. It seems to be um, crippling the department. Uh, nothing is being done. The, there, there's a stalemate, and I understand that some teachers in excess have received letters of appointment to move to other schools, but um, as of last week, very few of them have taken up those appointments. Professor Bijana, uh, let, me, let me bring you back into this discussion then. How do we sort it out? Well, um, our our labor relations um, legislation has got mechanisms for dealing with matters like that. I mean, if if there was a real political will, and this is a matter that can and should be resolved through the mediation of CCMA, for example, or through arbitration, uh, whereby the matters must be brought to a head and um, and and resolved one way or another. It can't be that uh, our labor relations paralyzes uh, performance to the extent that is being suggested here. Um, so, so if matters if matters get to a point where unions are being completely unreasonable, um, there are mechanisms in law by which the employer, meaning the Department of Education, mm. can actually go to court or to arbitration or to the CCMA for mediation and for arbitration. Why is that not being done? Why, Mr. Gons? Uh, Tolan, yeah. firstly, let me indicate, let me indicate that the, the unions in this country are recognized in this country. They have a right of existence in this country. And secondly, one will have to note that the Department of Education, lastly, it's about human resources. It's a very labor-intensive environment. And therefore, there is no way you can operate without unions. And you'll note that labor-intensive as it is. Therefore, it means that we must take note that there are structures which, which are prescribed by the Labor Relations Act to exist and a mandate thereof for them to perform. So there's a, there's a Labor Relations Council in this province which is working. So it is not true, it is not true that there is a stalemate between us and the union on the matter of the transfer of educators. And that matter has been resolved. And an agreement thereof is in place for that process to be completed by 30th of June. I want to indicate that... If there's no stalemate, then we, uh, we don't understand no, 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 why no. we're sitting despite, with... Yeah. Despite, despite that, that, that assertion given by, by Sarah, we have identified in terms of that collective agreement, 69% of the teachers who have profiled almost all the vacants that exist in terms of that position. The only area which has been very slow, is the movement of the teacher from one school to the other. Wait, and but, that wait, process but, is a stepwise process. Yeah, and but you know what's difficult, Mr. Gonzo? Mr. Gonzo, but what is difficult is that, to understand that, why the, the process is taking so long. That, that has been going on for so long. That's exactly my question. In fact, actually, in, to correct you, nobody is suggesting that there is no labor relations environment, there are no unions in, in terms of our law, not at all. But equally, 
there is a Labor Relations Act that actually regulates that relationship between the employer as well as, as the employees. And, and it is to that that we think the department is probably very, very slow to utilize existing legal mechanisms to make sure that employers actually can actually run the department in the manner that they do, and the unions can represent their members in the manner that is most appropriate within the law. Because what, is, what the stalemate is about mm. is a reluctance, apparently, uh, from the department to actually engage with the available legal resources that are available to the department. So that it solves this problem once and for all. Because the quest- right. question, Mr. Ngonzo, is why is it taking so long then if there's no stalemate? Why are you not able to make sure that the, uh, all the schools that need teachers have teachers? No, remember, remember, there is law in this country. We are coming from court in Sassi and other unions. We are coming from court. And we won that case. And then secondly, there was a dispute which was taken to conciliation. And that dispute has carried on in the deficit. So it is not accurate to say that we are not applying the measures that are put in terms of the legislation in this country. Okay, and, you, and you are confusing us then. You are confusing us. Mr. Mr. Mozo, you are confusing us because on one hand you say there's no stalemate. And we are implementing collective agreement number two of 2003 and collective agreement number, number one of 2012. And those are the instruments that are in place that we are using to make sure that the teacher is the classroom. Intervening in that, there are court orders which are coming from the LRC, which out of those quotas, we are dealing with the matters and we are resolving those and we are implementing and complying with the court orders. So all the instruments of law that are in place, we are applying them to the fullest, despite the fact that there are challenges on the ground, which, are, which have become cultural. It is unfortunate, Kolani, that when you are coming to a new position, you know, I want to talk to, the, to, the, to that listener. I am no longer acting chief at all. I'm a, I'm a superintendent general of the Department of Education who has been appointed. I'm not acting at all. So these things that I'm saying is part of the turnaround that we have put in place to make sure that leadership and governance and management of the department has got coercion. For the collapse of that results into the collapse of the operation. Right. This is the turnaround Fine. that we are talking about. Let's hear, let's, hear, let's hear from some of our callers then. Lenis in Bushburg Ridge. Hello, Lenis. Hello, Colonel. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. Go ahead, please. Yes, Kolane, um, I'm speaking from uh, on behalf of uh, the civic movement. The people of uh, Eastern Cape need a better life. And the Department of Education holds the key for that better life in terms of giving them the requisite education. That will give them the better life that we're talking about. Now, government has appointed people in the department to actually make sure that they deliver that education to the people. We really don't need all these excuses and the reasons why they are not able to deliver the education. They are appointed to deal with all the problems to ensure that every day people of Eastern Cape get a better value for the resources that are currently available in the Eastern Cape Department of Education. Okay. Dennis. We must ask Mr. Gonzo just simply to stop giving us all these excuses and we must start delivering, start solving the problems he's appointed to solve okay. and deliver education. Lenis, thank you very much in Bushwick Ridge. Uh, 0891104208, we'll take more calls. Let me read some emails here. There's one from Pume who says the ANC-led government went uh, all its way to please the imperialist masters to deliver a World Cup that was rated 9 out of 10. But of the 144 countries surveyed, South Africa placed the 143rd for 
for the quality of uh, its maths and science education and 139 for its overall education system. One can only conclude that this government of Mandela hates black African children. That's poor, man. Eh? Uh, on email. Another email came through from Marianne in the Eastern Cape who says, I'm a qualified teacher with 20 years experience. I've been here for three years looking for work. The department is a mess. Officials do not work uh, uh, there right now. And you, oh, it says go there right now and you'll find them sitting in offices eating and talking. Ghost teachers and ghost pupils, that's where the money has gone. Have the guilty parties been brought to book? Uh, regards M uh, on, on email. Another email uh, came through from George in the Free State. I think the problem in the Eastern Cape lies deep with catered deployment in management of education as long as the ruling party persists with throwing party loyalists uh, in positions of power without requisite education. I don't see the Eastern Cape getting this one uh, correct. Fire basic education minister, EC Premier Shirley. They are both uh, unable to do what they're supposed to do. That's George in the Free State. Another email came through from Sise Jepu Sinovuyo. The situation in the Eastern Cape is so dire when it comes to education. Uh, to me and Mr. Makupula are complete failures. That's Zepus Novuyo. Let's go to Stelo in Port Elizabeth on the line. Stelo, good morning. Stelo, are you there? Hello. Yeah, go ahead, Stelo. Yes, Polari. Yes, hello. Hi, I am in you in, in Port Elizabeth, man. Firstly, I want to welcome back the professor in the Eastern Cape. Uh, he's back. He will find us where he left us. Thank you for that. But, uh, Kolana, I want to appreciate again the intervention by Nkonzo and political leadership in the province. Yeah. The fact that teachers have been appointed, uh, we are told now temporary teachers are appointed, especially for the Utnik area and the northern part of Port Elizabeth. We welcome that. We want to see teachers going back to school, temporary teachers. But those teachers have to be appointed between now and end of next year. The department has really had to go back and use the mechanisms that are provided for in the law in dealing with the access teachers in various areas. If they are there, they are in excess, remove them or draw them out of the schools where they are in excess, put them in district offices and give them the register. After some time, you deal with that process at that level. Allow schooling to continue as normal. But teachers who are appointed now as temporary, they should understand that they are appointed temporarily up until the end of next year. At the end of next year, let's see that uh, uh, that problem resolved. Stella okay. in Port Elizabeth, thank you. Chakana and Tata, good morning. Ah, yeah, Ch- Chakana, go ahead. Hi, morning, how are you? I'm good. Thank you very much for your call. Go ahead, please. Yes, yeah. You're, I'm not Chakana, I'm Emmanuel. Right. I want to tell you now. In this country, the only thing for the people of the poor, poor people, the only way is to give the education. Those people who why they don't care because they are not sending their, their, their children to that school. You know that they are taking their school to the private school. Why they are not caring and why the poor people are suffering? How do you can attend if you didn't give the poor people the education? You know, uh, that is my point. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm going to have to wrap up with my guest. Let me start again with Jolene uh, Steinkotze, who's a political analyst. Uh, going forward, then, what needs to happen, Jolene? Now, going forward, I think we really need to start looking at more creative um, solutions to, as the last caller pointed out, keep kids in school, as well as, you know, attempt to deliver the, the, the quality education that has the capacity to pull people out of poverty. Um, I know, for example, in Brazil, they've got what is called the Volsa Familia. It's, it's, it translates into the family purse, 
where a provincial government will give cash, conditional cash transfers to um, the poorest of the poor on the condition that the children attend school, that they submit their work, that they pass their grades and, and, and so forth. So essentially um, you see in that situation where government facilitates kids going to school and a throughput rate of children who are able to complete their schooling. But once again, such a program depends quite strongly on a delivery capacity, on being able to monitor and evaluate what is happening in the schools at ground level. Right. Professor Pigiano? And I want to say two things, Lolani. The first is the shame and the disgrace that we go through is that the people we are talking about are the poorest of the poor in the poor areas among predominantly black and lower class people. And Satu and others claim to be class conscious. In fact, I think they behave completely differently. Second, I want to say that I welcomed, and it was good to hear Gwede Montache, the Secretary General of ANC, saying that there are partnerships programs that are being encouraged and are already working. What I can't understand is that, because I know that in Grahamstown, Rhodes University, especially the Vice Chancellor, has been keen to develop a partnership program with the schools in the in the townships in, in Grahamstown to try and make contributions by the university to the education in the area. That was turned down. Mm. No cooperation whatsoever with the initiative that the university has been trying to make to improve education uh, in Grahamstown. Sure. Uh, let me wrap up with you again then, Sarah. Sarah, are you there still for me? Right, I've lost that line. Sarah Sefton of the Legal Resources Centre. Uh, Mr. Ngonzo, uh, what are the immediate uh, sort of solutions then that you are going to implement given some of the uh, problems that have already been outlined here this pro- on this programme this morning? Now, Kalani, I want first to indicate that in all the areas that brought in Section 100 in this province, there is a, there's a drastic improvement. And uh, the translation of that is that uh, this province does not have an overexpenditure in terms of the compensation of employees. This allows us then to have these immediate interventions. One, that the, the, the ethical educators that people are talking about to be transferred in a statement, there is a management plan to that effect which has been agreed upon, and by the 30th of June, we have finished that process. Secondly, we, we, this, this, this concept of using, of using the system Temporary educators for it to run is completely unacceptable. And therefore, we have taken a resolution that all the teachers who have been appointed as temporary, particularly the 2,354 plus 570, must be made permanently as early as next week. Hmm. And, and further than that, having made them permanent, we must identify then the most critical areas which do not have teachers. And we have given ourselves time that on Tuesday we are going to point, appoint 997 teachers okay. who are going to be temporary until the 30th of June. Right. And therefore, we, we have got willingness to make sure that this, this system changes from time to time and improves so that it gives better life for all in the Eastern Cape. And Sarah, is that acceptable? Um, I'm sorry, Colani, I did miss part of it, but I would welcome a move to make the 2,300 odd temporary teachers permanent. Um, but there needs to be urgent steps to fill the remaining vacant posts, and I don't think that children can wait until the middle of June to have a teacher appointment. 
Right, I've really got to wrap it up. Uh, I thank you all for your time this morning. Unfortunately, we really, really had difficulties with the lines. Uh, thank you for your time. Uh, is uh, the head of education in the Eastern Cape. Thanks indeed. Uh, the Reverend Professor Barney Pikiana, academic living in the Eastern Cape and former Vice Chancellor at the University of South Africa. UNESA, thanks for your time as well. Jolene Stein Kotze, political analyst at the Nelson Mandela uh, Metropolitan University, University. I really thank you for your time. As well as Sarah Sefton uh, of the Legal Resources Center. Thank you all for coming through. Uh, would like to thank the team as well. We'll put it all together today. Uh, our show, that is. Uh, our producers, Misha Shantale, Tracy Bumgard, Ronald Pirie, Shengi Mabaso, Senior producers, Lungile Mabaso and Zinat Abdul. Technical producer today, Mark Prela from producer Jake Mugoma. And of course, uh, senior producers, uh, big part of executive producers, Busi Chane and Obrusi Chia. My name is Golan Iguala. Back tomorrow, reporting for you 6 to 9 here on SAFM. Thanks indeed for listening to our program this day. Coming up at 9, the news and afterwards, it's uh, morning talk here on SAFM. 9 to 12. Till tomorrow then, you have a fantastic day ahead. Cheers.